You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. topics i don't know man you came to me and said hey i want to record um i have been kind of under a rock i have actually watched uh some curling i watched some i've watched some of the japanese championships um i watched uh good i would say probably the most competitive it's been since i've started following them in terms of you've got four teams i think on both the men's and women's side that could legitimately win and we've had we've had four teams capable of winning um on the women's side for a while but it's also seemed like on the women's side when you look at the standings you'll see one team with zero losses one with one one with two one with three and it's like you know the big four teams they only lose to each other and there's a hierarchy Um, but it seems like this year, like any one of those four teams could beat the other one at any given point. So I've watched some games, but I've kind of been under a rock. I did hear the two big pieces of news out of Canada. Uh, one of which has already been discussed, uh, so much ad nauseum that curling Canada backtracked and changed the rule uh, for next year, which was um, the pregnancy, the pregnancy replacement um, rule, which if you have not uh, followed this uh, curling Canada granted an exemption to the top five teams in CTRS um, that basically if you had a player who was not going to be able to participate because they were pregnant um, you could bring in any um, any curler regardless of residency rules. And that rule only applied to the top five teams in Curling Canada's words because it's tougher for those five teams to find a player of uh, equal value uh, than teams outside of the top five, which I mean, okay, fine, that's true, but... That doesn't make that rule any less BS. It's if you're going to apply to five teams, it's got to apply to all of them. Yeah, I think they were actually looking at a human rights complaint if they didn't change that. Yeah, so it's yeah. changed, but it's for yeah. next year. Um, it's, let's see, the Scotties are in two weeks, so maybe it's a little uh, too short of a turnaround to allow the you other teams. But no, not to get pregnant, but to, find, <laughs> to find another player. All right. Other podcasts have have already had thoughtful discussions on why this rule was so terrible. In fact, it's so terrible that it that it's gone now. Uh, I do recommend listening to an interview that Stephanie Thompson did with Laura Walker um, about her experiences curling while pregnant and then coming back um, after giving birth. Highly recommend listening to that show. That is that that will give you insight from people who actually know uh, what it's like to do these things. Unlike um, Jonathan and I being two 
uh, middle-aged white people trying to discuss, um, trying to discuss pregnancies. Yeah. No, I think the rule was stupid. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't, we don't need experience, the experience of being pregnant to know that the rule was dumb and thankfully it's gone or will yeah. be, will be gone. <laughs> will be gone. I mean, I, I do think, um, well, I, I guess the, in Canada there's the big hang up with the residency rules, but actually I think that, that what we may need to look at eventually is like a six person growing team. Um, just speaking personally from experience and we had like, like two people out with COVID for our mixed play hounds. And it's mm. like, even there, like the ECA, um, registration rules were very tricky to work around and finding subs last minute, really complicated things for us. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think that there's a bunch of rules in curling that were initially designed for club play that actually make no sense at the high competitive end, especially the restrictive stuff around, around team structure. Well, what's stopping a team from being a six person team, but then for an event only carrying five? Um, well, on the world curling team ranking system, the hang up is that, you have to register as a four or five person team. And once you have a sixth person in the lineup, the points from that event don't count. Uh, interesting. But there, okay. there's like all I'm these up. weird, there's all these sub rules. So I'm sure someone will tweet at us if I don't add that clarification. There, I think there's like an injury exemption and I guess a pregnancy exemption as well. Okay. But, um, yeah. It, 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 basically the big issue is points these days, right? For... Yep. People competing in events that use points either to qualify or select, um, like like the the value of a an athlete is basically how many points they can bring to the table. Oh God, that takes me back to <laughs> that takes me back to being in marketing and having my value as a human be determined by how many leads I brought in last uh, <laughs> last month. Yeah. So I, 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 and I think that maybe that that needs to be, you know, cause like when a team breaks up, there's carryover, there's all the CTRS points. Right. So, cause that's kind of carried over over several, of several years. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of that's going to need to be thought about a bit more broadly. Like w what is a team? How many people can you carry? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. I agree with you. I think, I think actually in the ideal world, you'd have a six person team and you dress five, one on the bench. Right. But if the, the main thing with this role is Scott, um, now we'll, now we'll bring up Scott in a good light. Uh, Scott had a great point, uh, when they talked about this, they said the quiet part out loud. They said, you know, these five teams are the ones that we really would like to see win this event and represent Canada at worlds. And we consider them to be better than the, than the hoi polloi. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in a certain sense, I think the in Canada it's the top five that get funding. Is that right? I think that's I think correct. So. so I think that might be the cutoff point. Um, I suspect it's all. I, I suspect I don't quite know. I haven't like deep dug into like who on the CTRS rankings would have been impacted by this, but it's a bit like uh, you know. Well, the, yeah, the impact is Team Scheidegger because they okay. they have a player who is currently pregnant, who I believe is going to try to play, and it's I think it, I think it's Casey's sister, okay, um, who's going to try to play some games at the Scotties, 
but they brought in um they had to they had to find a player from Alberta to okay. to come in to play for her. So they're cuz they're just outside the top 5 they got They're number 6. Oh, so they got hosed. <laughs> they got hosed. All right, yes. okay, okay, okay. All right. So yeah, and actually I think Shida would be really good at the world, so I think she would too. Like it's not like it's not like you and me winning Canada or something, right? So <laughs> No, like especially yeah, yeah, especially the Scotties field. Like there are I mean, my gracious, this is a heck of a field. There are eight teams, maybe ten teams in this field that I think would be excellent representatives at Worlds for for, for Canada. Yeah. No, I so yeah, I, I think that it's it strikes the fairness part, right? That's the big the big issue. Yes. So and We all know the residency rules are going away. In fact, a a recent hire by Curling Canada makes me think that we might be heading to straight. This is your national team program. Yeah, <laughs> and I then mean, there's yeah, a so de- and then there's a national development team program. I mean that. Yeah, I mean we don't know anything yet, right? We, I mean, so you're talking about the Murdoch hire as high performance director. Oh yeah, muddying the waters in Canada. Yeah. I mean, so I guess what what you're saying is that you think that Curling Canada is now going to copy the British model note for note. Uh, not exactly note for note, but because obviously it would be on a much grander scale. Uh, the British team program was what you had two high performance teams that were funded and then a development team. Is that basically what Britain was doing? Uh. So I mean, sort of. So basically, there's there's different tiers, um, and mm-hmm. British curling proper normally carries three squads. Like I can't remember the, the names of them. It's like podium potential, podium, and I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Um, and so basically, it's the top the top team gets a lot of funding. The second team gets decent funding. The third team, I think, mostly gets, if I understand correctly, mostly gets cost covered, but not. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily salary support. And then within Scottish curling, there's kind of a development academy with a few other teams that get some support in coaching. And then that's it. Um, the model is v- very different from Canada. So people, basically people have to apply every yes. year. Um, and they use, cri- they use it, it's, it's not like, it's, a, it's basically objective criteria. It's mostly world curling team ranking points and then performance in major events. So world championships, euros and slams. Um, there is at different times, like at different times, uh, they've let teams go in kind of all as a complete package. Other times it's been a bit of coach formation. Um, and at different, at other times they've used what they call a squad system. Like the, yep. So the most famous example was the Eve squad system. Yep. The Olympics where it was basically Eve and seven other, curlers and every week there's a different lineup until they sorted out who they wanted which i think was it was innovative and it certainly worked right so um i don't know i don't know if curling canada goes all in on that where it's like basically every curler has got to apply and uh i kind of think that's where we're headed yeah i i mean i would be willing to bet that is what happens for the 2028 quad. 
Okay. Because you can't you can't do that now halfway through a quad. I mean, okay. The flip but what side I can is see, this. yeah. What I can see is these are your twenty national team members, men's yeah. side, women's side, and the team that is going to the Olympics will be selected from this pool of twenty. Yeah. Okay. The flip side. This is why I'm a little skeptical of that. Um, the big difference is the British, the Scottish curling championship is very hard to watch <laughs> online. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Briar and the Scotties are the biggest money lines for um, curling. Canada, yeah. Right? That's in, and, and that's, that's a point that not a lot of people really understand when they talk about messing with how the Briar and Scotties are constructed or the fact that those two events lead to world championships is if you're going to mess with that event or you're going to mess with the national team program or you're going to mess with what event determines who represents Canada on a world level, you better be really sure that you're at the very least not going to lose money on the next TV contract. Yeah. Because what differentiates Canada from the United States, from Britain, from Sweden, is the amount of money that comes in from that TV contract. Because if you look at the financials for Curling Canada and USA Curling, the contribution from like the Olympic program is about the same. There's a negligible difference between money coming from Canada's Olympic funding that goes into Curling Canada and US OPC going into USA Curling. The big difference is the media contract that Curling Canada has. So you better hope that whatever you do with your national team program, that the number of eyeballs on the Briar and Scotties remain the same and that the next TV contract is at least the same amount of money. Yeah. Because if you submarine those events, you've completely gotten rid of the competitive advantage that, or the monetary advantage that you have over the rest of the world. Yeah. I, I suspect what will happen is you'll see a hybrid of Canada and, and British curling. So I don't think you can do it, though. Well, I mean, I. You can't. If, it, that'll fail. Well, you either got to go know, one way or the right? other. So, like, if you have the Canadian budget and. You basically say, if you want to be a program team, um, that's fine. You've got to basically work full-time as a curler and relocate to a, the National Training Center, presumably in Calgary, right? And, you know, a, a lot of the top top five to ten teams, like a, a lot of them are, if not full-time curlers, like let's say 80% time curlers, right? But now it's like it's 100% time. We'll give you more resources. But the flip side is... You've got to be here. You've got to train. You've got to use these resources, do these things. So there's a bit less athlete autonomy, if you will. But you're going to want to guarantee that all of those teams are playing for the right to represent Canada yeah. on a world stage. And then how do you how do you do that? Well, it's already there, right? You've got the CTRS rankings. They'd be top five. So if you're taking, you're going from. 
three wild card teams to five wild card teams, and then representatives from all the provinces and territories. Is that Something what you're? Like that. Or three plus everyone else to play down plus plus plus. Right. You, be, I expect there'll be a bit of whatever, but then. For those teams, if you're one of the program teams, and this is the same it is in British curling, if you don't perform, right, you're yeah, gone you're at the end of the season. Yep. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on people in those programs. I think that's the the part that uh, people don't get. And I, you know, like there's some great curlers in Canada who there certainly is pressure, but it's probably not the same kind of pressure as oh, if you're not top five at the end of the year, you lose your. I yeah. guess in a certain sense, you kind of lose your funding at the moment, but you're off the program. That's it, right? Yeah. Um, and that might, you know, I, that that might be... I can see, knowing Canadian curling culture, even at the competitive level, it's like I can see that's where the friction is really going to pop up. Because I think for a long time, Canadian curlers have been very, like, like their autonomy and don't like to be told what to do. And the British curling model is a lot more coach-led than than athlete-led. I don't know. I just I see I see what's happened, and really specifically, this is on the men's side among Canadian curling. Is it's really become a club? What's happened of about twenty players, and that's who form that's who form the elite teams. And if you're not part of the club, you're kicked out. Because I, I look at the way, not only that Darren Molding was jettisoned from the Botcher team, but kind of how he was treated on his way out. Like you could tell that he wasn't, that, that a lot of those guys didn't view him as being part of their club, even though he was on a team that had won a Briar. Yeah. And I th- that's why I think that there would even be acceptance on the men's side to a program like this, where it's twenty, it's twenty curlers. You are a professional curler, but you've got to you've got to maintain maintain that level. Yeah, maybe I I I I'll see. We'll see. Right. In one sense, like the like this is the ultimate test for is curling different or not. Yeah. Because it probably, you know, in a certain sense, it probably isn't. Like, why is no. it, why is picking a national curling team different than p- picking the national basketball team? Right. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's not new. It's not unique. We talked to uh, Travis Marwerder a couple of years ago. I brought in a beach volleyball player to talk about curling because it was the middle of COVID, and I was insane, and still am insane. But there are there. I mean, there are other sports out there that you know it's self-formed teams and you fight as a self-formed team to be part of a national program it's not unique to curling but um it is different yeah yeah it's a we'll see i think you know things are kind of things are changing we'll see i it's i think it's a i think for curling canada the good thing is it's a pressure it's a breath of fresh air right it's not mm-hmm. an insider it's somebody yep. it's somebody who succeeded in a different environment and can probably bring a big a different perspective and and honestly so. i think that if if you were going to go to this kind of a system that is different from what curling in canada has ever been to get buy-in, it couldn't have been someone like a Derek Brown type 
who was strictly like a coach or a GM type. It has to be someone um, like Muddy, who is a world champion curler, who also had success doing this program as a coach. Yeah. Because he has that, he has the, he has the respect in the locker room because he's done it and he's won. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a big factor too, right? So, yeah, I don't know how many other people were, were, I mean, I, you can kind of get a sense, but I, I don't know how many other outside of Canada coaches were in the running for this, right? Should I be surprised that it's not Paya? Uh, I mean, I think the other big names would be Paya, Soren Gran, maybe Dan Raphael. Um, and Paya is Paya is Paya Lindholm, former successful curler in Sweden, who then was over Sweden's national program, and most recently was over China's national program. All right, so I don't know. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good hire. Uh, so, is what has USA Curling announced who they're doing next, or? Um, or I guess it's all up. I guess it's CEO first, and then we'll see. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, yeah, I, this this is uh, my understanding. Talking to a certain coach is that um, the way it works is that normally the first year of the cycle, there's not much money and the NGBs are bidding for, for Olympic funding. And then most of the big hires happen at the start of the second season. So I guess Muddy was probably the biggest name there. And so he's off the board. So we'll see who the, the next, uh, next, next big names are. So any, you, uh, you just finished third at a curling tournament. Yeah. We were in Zemst, Belgium, with yeah. uh, Gary Hermans, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. He was He's organizing a WCT event there, which was really good. Yeah. Cool. And then next for you is English Championships. English Championships, another kick at the can. Is it the last kick at the can? <laughs> I understand why Jen Jones gets mad at these questions. <laughs> Do you think I'm going to die? Is that what you think? I think I'm that close to death. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I think I'll just keep playing till till no one wants to play with me anymore. Well, that could be tomorrow. <laughs> that could be tomorrow. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when, are, when are the English championships? Uh, last, well, last weekend of February. Okay. You going to win? I hope so. Okay. What do you get if you win? Uh, you get to go to the Euros. Next spend year? Spend a lot of money fall. on it out of your pocket because we have no funding. Where are, the, where are the Euros next year? I don't think that's been announced yet. Oh, probably. No, yeah, probably not. It was Sweden... Last year, so yep. uh, maybe like I might if I were betting, I'd say Switzerland, but I don't have any intel on that. Flims, I don't know. Bern, I don't know. I've never been to Switzerland actually. Really? Yeah, I haven't been.
should go play in that bon- that outdoor bond spiel that's like at the foot of the Matterhorn. Yeah, I want to do an outdoor. I haven't done an outdoor bond spiel thing, and which I want to do. Um, I don't. I've done like I've I've played in a lot of countries in Europe, not Switzerland, which is weird because Switzerland's probably the biggest curling country in Europe. So, but it's also very expensive. Whereas yeah. Belgium's not cheap, but like. Latvia, one of my favorite places to play. That's a very affordable place if you're going in on the British pound. So, yeah, or Prague. That's nice too. Good, good exchange rate. Anything else going on? Uh, curling wise, like personally or in the world, you mean or what? Yeah, is there anything else that we need to hit before we? I don't know. There's like the Scotties coming up. Uh, there's a lot of national championships. This is like peak streaming season. I, I know, kind of missed your be... spreadsheet. Oh yeah, you want to have a streaming conversation? Uh yeah, actually. Okay, so yeah, let's talk. And yeah, let's have a streaming conversation. What did you think okay. of the stream at at Belgium? Uh, it was actually really good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, the quality was like better than um than most. I think. Right. I would put it on par with like Saskatchewan's um, provincial broadcast. Yeah, they they were serious. Those guys. They right? were. They, they had on ice. They had on ice cameras. Oh, they had on ice cameras. They had a little studio in yeah. the lounge with like uh, they were doing like post game interviews. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that little, I mean, it's a it's a relatively small club there, right? It's it's a okay. It's a nice club. I got it. It's okay. it's recently built. Um, they did not spend that much. They were very efficient on it. We actually did an episode with uh, Gary Hermans, who hosted yep. the Bonspiel, but he also talked about building the, the rink there. Um, it was my first time there. I liked it. It's not like it, like the lounge is well thought out, and it has everything you need for a curling club, but it's not a huge space, if you will. It's a okay. little, I wouldn't say cramps, but like it's, you know, it's efficient. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, and the fact they were able to then squeeze a little curling studio, curling TV studio <laughs> in it. Yeah. They were doing like too. two shots of the two commentators uh, between ends. Yeah, no, it was good. They're serious and stuff. Yeah. No, the, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad for a WCT challenger event. Yeah, no, it's I it's actually makes you like I, one of the things that's interesting. So for so long, curlers outside of Canada have always said, "Oh, if only we could get our thing on TV, right?" And we don't need to be on TV. No, like just just stream it. Yeah, stream everything now, everywhere, all the time. Now, if you want more money in the sport, <laughs> you're gonna have to get it on TV. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, you know, there's streamers who make a lot of money, right? I'm not touching that comment with a 20-foot pole. <laughs> Team Wretchless OnlyFans page. Coming soon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm not saying anything. We gotta we gotta fund the team somehow, right? Hey, there's 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 how you guys can fund your your trips to bond spiels and the on the continent yeah or just get another pay. credit card that's that's how you can yeah that's how you gotta that's how you gotta fund your trips to switzerland that's how you guys are going to be able to go play spiels in switzerland yeah. is, is through <laughs> through those means yes 
<laughs> I think. All right. You got anything I think else? all of the. It, whenever it becomes easier to just charge for a live stream on YouTube is when you're going to have the combination of being able to get these at one, being able to get these events out to as many people as you can. And then two, also like at least be in the black on, on streaming these events. Cause if you're streaming the event for free on YouTube, you are losing money. So that money has to come from somewhere. And if you're, if you are a national team program that isn't, you know, Canada or the U S or even like, if you are like, if you are the United States and you don't, you, you aren't selling the rights to your championship and you're streaming them for free on YouTube, that money's coming from somewhere. And that means that that money is not going to development or the high performance program. That's money. That's not going somewhere else that you're having, that you're spending on a loss leader. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I guess the question is this, right? If the standard, if, if the metric is how can we use streaming to generate revenue? Yeah, you're, you're light years from that. That's not, but the thing about the, the argument always when I was USA curling stuff was like, if we just got on TV, that gets us more exposure, that gets more people playing, that gets more attention on the sport. And we kind of learned that that's not true. In terms of what? In that just being on TV means that you're going to have more curlers. Yeah, I don't think so. But I, th- I think there's some there's some value in just building, like for lack of a better term, the curling media ecosystem, right? Yeah. Like we're kind of part of that too. So we've got a podcast. And I don't know, we've got a couple <laughs> hundred people listening to us. And, you know, that's that's good, right? Like we're, we, we're not going to make any money off that, but we're like part of a larger conversation that I think you know, people who like curling, there's the podcast, there's the streaming, there's the social media stuff. And it's like, you don't need ESPN curling show to, to get curling coverage, if you will. No, but it would help. Would it? I don't know. Like, I actually think you can, like, what, okay, if you're, pick another, call, what's, in terms of curling media coverage, what are you missing in 2023 that you that you get from say watching college football. Yeah. What, what you're missing is shoulder programming, like behind the scenes stuff. Like you see, like you see with that, that formula one show on Netflix. Yeah. Like everyone I know that has started watching formula one has started doing it because of that show on Netflix. Yeah. That's actually probably that's probably an easier way to get curling on TV than Yeah. Uh, I would much right? rather I would honestly I would much rather see something like that on TV yeah. than than the championships to be honest. Yeah, and that's that's probably not it's not that expensive, right? Relatively expensive. No, it's very yeah, it's relatively inexpensive. So you just need a documentary crew and then someone to help produce and fund it, right? No, and there are I mean there's a Every and honestly, like every sport out there is having the same conversation because they've seen the same thing with the F one show. Yeah, but it's like that lightning in the and let that lightning in a bottle is very hard to replicate because of the personalities that are on that show and how willing they are to allow those camera crews to 
see moments that you wouldn't see otherwise. And it's like, what sport is actually willing to say all access to, <laughs> to a camera crew? I bet, you, I bet you curlers would, no? I don't know. Maybe not all know. access, right? Yeah, it's the, there's like, and again, I'll go back, I'll go back to the molding example. Like, do you think they would be okay with a camera crew being in their faces as they were calling Darren? I mean, that would make, that would suck if you're Darren molding, but that would make fantastic TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, or would Darren be okay with having a camera crew in his face as he was receiving that call? I, I mean, I actually think he, I'm not going to speak. I don't know. Cause it's probably, it was probably like one of the worst. He probably, he probably, yeah. I mean, that's a and really. He probably would. Cause I think he was so open about it. Yeah. Like he had no problem. He would probably be okay. About it after. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's really, that's like, really that for something on the level of like that F1 show, you have to ask yourself, am I okay with a camera being in my face for the worst moment of my life? Uh, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. Or the worst moment of my professional life. Um, <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. Would you want a camera following you around work while your boss chews you out? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and that's the, and that's the, and like I uh, curlers. I don't think. I think I think curlers are in, are at least close enough to being normal people that they would probably not be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. No, that would be interesting experiment, right? But, I mean, the, the show that Peacock did with Team Schuster leading up to the Olympics was great. I didn't see any and of we that. And we need more stuff like that. But I don't know. You weren't exactly, you weren't, you weren't exactly like in the locker room after they lost games. Because that, so that also was not the vibe they were going for. The vibe they were going for was we know that this, that, basically promoting team Schuster to get eyeballs on the Olympics during Beijing was more of what the vibe that they were going for was get to know these guys so that you will root for them and also tune into USA network to watch their games while they're in Beijing. Yeah, no, I think it'd be, um, yeah, I, I, it's kind of like, how would you do it? Like, what would the premise be? Would it be slam teams? Would it be? Yeah, you would follow the slam teams as they're like trying to qualify for the briar. And then you would be like in those locker rooms as a team that's three and three is trying to break into the championship pool at the briar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a weird. You know, the, here's the thing. Here's why I think it might work for curling is because there's actually not very much that has to be kept secret. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's not like it's stone information, and maybe oh, we've noticed this little tendency that we want to exploit. Right. Like it's yeah. like it's like little subtle things, but I actually think that most teams are fairly because even like the strategy, it's like. It's 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 done right in front of the other team, and you hear them yeah. talking about well, we could do this or this or that, right? And it's like not it's not like like football or basketball where it's yeah. like you've got a secret where there are state thing. secrets. Yep. Yeah, where there's state secrets, like there's there's little things, but it's not like there's huge things that that teams want to keep secret in curling. So no, but like but like why why do you watch hard knocks? You watch hard knocks to see guys get cut. Yeah. 
Well, but curling at its core is like the the play down structure, the elegance of it is that like every team gets eliminated until there's one. Yeah. Right. That that's that's the romance of it, right? Is that yeah. at the start of the season I mean, probably a hundred teams thought they but probably realistically let's say twenty, like think they have a shot at winning a world championship. And at the end we all know it's gonna be Nicodine, but yeah. and 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 uh Zoni, but uh you know, there's hope. <laughs> and and the glory of it is just watching like hope die for team after team after team, right? That would that would make for good TV. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, we probably will not talk again before the Scotties and the Briar. Uh, I'm looking forward to them, especially the Scotties. I think the Scotties is going to be incredible this year. Um, I think the Briar might be kind of boring, <laughs> but I Why think the Scotties. Um. Because it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same. It's going to be Kui and Gushu. Yeah. Not Botcher. And Botcher. No, it's going to be the Those same. Three. It's going to be the same three. Not Dunstone busting it up. No. Not Benedict Aslan kind of pulling a sneaky uh, sneak attack. I mean, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Could happen. But it's going to be. It's going to be Kui, Botcher, and Gushu. Two of them will play each other in the semifinal, and then the winner of that game will play the other in the final. You don't think same, Denny's going to break it Same as it over. ever was. No, I don't. Oh, wow. All right. No. <laughs> Ryan's like, no. Nothing's going to change. So Eventually, something's going to change, right? Jonathan, you know how many different human beings have played in a Briar final the last... Um, the last seven years. I think you, you've told me the stat many times, but I've yeah. never paid attention. How many different human beings have played in a Briar final the last seven years? Uh, 12. You're very close. It's like, it's 16 and that's just because Kui keeps changing teammates. <laughs> but most of, Kui's 16. Old, most of Kui's old teammates are with Botcher now, right? Yeah, so Dunstone? again, it's going to be the same. It's going to be, the, the number is still going to be 16. Well, Dunstone's got BJ, so that's like... Uh... No, because they're not going to be in the final. All right. You think Colton Flash, another no. ex-Cooey teammate? He ca- actually, he counts. He's, in, he's, he's one yeah. of the 16 because yeah. he was on Team Cooey. Yeah. He's one of, he is one of the 16 different human beings to play in a Briar final the last seven years. Are you hoping for another human being... I want to at least add final. one. Yes, I want one new human. Which would that happen if Kui? If Kui? No, Kui, it would happen if Kui because um, the kid. It, it would be the new. kid. If Botcher made it, no, no. If Botcher, uh, and, if, is, it's Botcher and Gushu, if it's Botcher and Gushu, then you would add. Yeah, you would add the kid. Has Jacobs made it in those seven years or no? No. So Harden, if uh, Gushu made it. Okay, so you would add two. All right, so if it's Gushu, all right, so you're gonna add. You're gonna you'll add. add to you'll that add number. at least one. I want to add four. I want to add four humans. I think it's. I think Dunstone's got a good shot to bust I, it open. I don't. You're like no way. No, right. I just no. Okay. Sorry. Too bad we don't do preview shows anymore. We'd have stuff to argue about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
right. Just no. Has he even? He's yeah. Well, yeah. If he loses, yeah. If he loses, he'll be um, he'll be a wild card, right? Yeah. Okay. Who Dunstone? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's either him or Carruthers out of Manitoba, and the other one will get it on a wild card, I assume. Okay. Right? And same with uh, Alberta. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. I mean, I'm really just thrilled to be uh, disappointed by the Briar. I'm, ex- right. I'm, I'm actually excited to be disappointed by the Briar. But the Scotties is going to be... Jamie Cooey will make the finals. Scotty's gonna be, the Scotties is going to be awesome. What about Jamie Cooey making the finals? Sure, let's do it. Cooey, I, I want a Cooey Aslan final. I do too. <laughs> Jamie Cooey, that's what I'd I wa- want. I would watch that. That would be awesome. All I right, would watch. That. Yeah, it'd be good. That's what the people want. Give the fans what they want. No, you no. Don't trust you. Don't trust P. Don't trust the public. The public would want Gushu and Cooey. Is that what they want? That's boring. Twitter is not life. Oh, I think most people on Twitter are like, they love Gushu. Well, most people on Twitter would want to see like Jamie Cooey versus Felix Aslan. <laughs> like they would <laughs> think Twitter, Twitter, Twitter would, Twitter would think that is awesome, but All Twitter's right, let, not real life. Let's do a Twitter poll. Like. Do a, do a rocks across the pond Twitter poll. What do you want? Briar final. <laughs> Most, ex- is what is, Botcher what is your, pers- Gushu. that's, I, but, Bacha versus Gushu's for the norm core people out there. Yeah. The normies and want. The normies. Uh, <laughs> the normies want Bacha Gushu. And then Quebec Northwest Territories. That's what the, that's what the people want. That's what the hardcores want. The hardcores. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. This is a show for the hardcores. <laughs> for the hardcores. Especially if you've made it to this point. If you've made it to this point and I'm stealing this from another podcast because all my good ideas get stolen by another podcast get stolen from other podcasts if you made it to this which is like the 45 minute mark of this show I want you to to tweet at me hashtag hardcore (laughs) how many many tweets do you think you're going to get two (laughs) from who Uh, Nick in Omaha and uh, HK Sparky, who tweets at us like every time we drop a show. Yeah, those are going to be perfect. the two. Those are yeah. going to be the two people that tweet at me. Uh, hashtag hardcore. They are hardcore. I love them. Yep. All right. Yeah. Shout out to you. Shout out to HK Sparky. Shout out to Nick in Omaha. And do you think they both want? I want them to also say who do they want. Okay. In the Briar final. Uh. Sparky is going to want Botcher Gushu because he wants the best possible team to just be selected to send to represent Canada in the Worlds because he only wants golds for Canada in the Worlds and considers anything other than gold to be a failure for Canada at the Worlds. And Nick will want uh, Cooey versus Felix. All right. I got one more twist for you. Okay. The WrestleMania version of the Briar file. The so WrestleMania Gushu versus Botcher, but then in the ninth end, Darren Molding comes out of the stands and hits Botcher over the head with a collapsible chair. I mean, I'd watch that. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> that'd be good. All right. 
tune in next week. Next week, we're interviewing the GM of the Curling Club in Camrose, Alberta. And I'm actually really excited about it. They do some cool things to uh, bring in new members. Also, 22-year-old GM of a curling club in Canada. Pretty awesome. And we get to talk to him next week. So tune in then. Enjoy all of your playdowns. It's good talking to y'all. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon.